amen and amen. Good stuff. All right, if you're here with us in person, you can get a seat. If you're watching online and you're by chance standing at home, you can take a seat right now unless you want to stand and pace while you're watching with us today. But thank you for being here with us today in person, online. Really thankful that you've decided to take the time to be here with us as New Story Church. And uh, it's going to be a good Sunday. My name is Scott Lackey. I'm the lead pastor here at New Story Church. There's a great worship set. Love that today. And uh, we are in week three of a series that we've been doing called Human. And in this series, we've been looking at what, the first week we looked at what is God's intention for humanity. In week two, we looked at how Jesus inaugurated and initiated a new humanity and the word becoming flesh. Those two weeks were really more big picture. And these two weeks, and the final two weeks of the series, week three and four, we're going to be a little bit more specific. We're going to look at some unique attributes that we have as human beings that reflect that we are created in the image of God. So this week, we're going to talk about speech, communication, the ability that we have to communicate that God has given us. And then next week, we're going to talk about the ability that we have to make decisions. So if you would, please turn in your scriptures to me. You don't have to stay there uh, if you don't want to, or you can open there, whether you have a physical copy with you or in your phone, Proverbs 18, 21. Proverbs 18, 21. King Solomon writes this. Solomon was maybe the wisest man to ever live, obviously with the exception of Jesus. And Solomon writes this in Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. He says death and life are in the power of the tongue of the tongue. We're going to unpack that some more because I'm sure that we all have known that to be true at some point in time with the words that we use or the words that others have spoken to us. But the title of today's message is this, The Power of Speech. If you want to take notes, The Power of Speech, Human Part 3, because death and life are in the power of of the tongue. In Genesis chapter 1, as God is creating everything, as God is bringing order to chaos, in my NASB translation that I use of the scriptures, it says 10 times God said, God spoke. And by the very speech of God, by the very word of God, the created word, the created order came into existence. And then as we read last week in John chapter 1, Jesus is described as the word of God. It's as if Jesus is the communication of God to us as humans, as to how to be truly human. And God has given us as human beings this unique ability to use speech, this unique ability to communicate with one another. Even today, sociologists and anthropologists and psychologists look at our ability to use speech and our ability to communicate as something that really separates us from other created beings. It's a truly unique feature that we have, and it's one of the things that best reflects that we are created in God's image, that God, by the power of speech, brought order to chaos. He created all things by his speech, and he has given us the ability to speak. And Solomon says that those words can bring death, and they can bring life. Just recently, I was watching a TED Talk from Professor Yuval Noah Harari called Why Humans Run the World. I think that was it, or Why Humans Rule the World. Might have that a little bit messed up, but it was really fascinating. And in this TED Talk, he uses a really solid analogy. I'm going to steal it for right now. But let's pretend for just a minute that I, by myself, was dropped alone on a deserted island. And then let's say there was a very similar deserted island, and you, and you dropped a chimpanzee off on that island. Who do you think would survive longer? If you place your bets on me, you are sadly mistaken. 
I would not know how to survive. I would not know what I was doing. And chances are most of you would feel the same way. A chimpanzee alone could figure out some things in regards to climbing trees and things like that that maybe a human would have a more difficult time figuring out alone. But if you dropped 1,000 humans on a deserted island and 1,000 chimpanzees on another island, who would you take your bets on and who would survive longer? Well, chances are the humans, because as, co as a collective group, because of our ability to use speech, because of our ability to communicate, we can bring order and we can start to create societies and systems and be flexible and start to build and create and work together. Or let's use this example. Let's say, for example, we were in a non-COVID world and you filled the Bills stadium to the max with human beings. The Bills, we love our Bills right now. I mean, I got my shirt today. Who, I mean, man, what a time to be alive. But, but let's say you, put, you filled the stadium with human beings and then the next day you filled the stadium with chimpanzees. Do you think that you would have more order with the human beings or with the chimpanzees? Now, some of you might be saying, I've been to a Bills game before, and based off of some of the behavior that I've witnessed, I, I don't know, maybe with the, maybe with the chimpanzees, and I, I, I know that you know, sometimes there are some outliers at the games who like to get a little crazy every once in a while, but, but at the end of the day, humans as a collective can gather in these large groups, and we can organize things, we can create order, and then even within those groups, we can work together and be flexible and change, and a lot of that is because of our ability to communicate with one another, the unique ability that God has given us to use speech, the fact that you can get thousands of people into one place and say, hey, we're all going to watch this game, and we're going to behave in this way, and we're going to cheer at this time, and then we're all going to leave at this time, and we all do it in an orderly manner with a, the exception of a few um, special people who like to get a little crazy sometimes. But the, the fact that we have the ability to do that, and it's because of our ability to communicate with one another that has been given to us by God, it's a truly unique ability that we have. And that's why I believe that Solomon says that the power of the tongue is the power to bring death and life. It's interesting to me that even the ancient authors of the scriptures, before you had people deeply studying anthropology and sociology, they had this recognition that there's something unique about the speech of God, and that speech has been given to us as humans as well, and there's, there's a unique power in that too, that they were somehow clued into that. It, it is evidence to me that there had to be some type of divine inspiration behind what was occurring in the scriptures. And the tongue, this thing that God has given us, it's so powerful, the power of speech. We've seen people inspire other people to do amazing things with it and to do horrible things with it. The power of life and death. So the first thing I want us to talk about is that speech can harm. Speech can harm, and we know this to be true. Some of you, whether you're in here or if you're online, you have spoken words to somebody before that have created great harm. Horrible things, division, separation, some of you right now, you might know of a situation where you are, you are apart from another person right now, or there's, there's a bit of a distance between you and another person because of words that you have said to them or words that they have said to you. Words can harm. Some of you, some of us, have been in a position of life before. Maybe you're in this position right now where you have not made certain decisions in your life because of words that somebody has said to you. That, that somebody once spoke something over your life, it harmed your heart, it harmed your mind, it harmed your soul in such a way that you're like, 
I don't really know if I can make decisions in the future, even though, even though you have a calling to do something else, the harmful and negative words that somebody once spoke over you are holding you back from embracing the future that God has for you. Or some of us, maybe you're a little bit more like me, and if somebody has spoken some harmful words over your life, you instead say, oh, well, you know what? I'm going to show you, and in spite of those words, I'm going to go do blank. Some of us do that as well. Words have a great effect on us. And for those of us who say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me, we know that that could not be farther from the truth. Words stick with us. And words that people say to us greatly affect us. And we carry them with us. Speech can harm. James, the brother of Jesus, knew this. He wrote this in James chapter 3. He said, so also the tongue... Is a, like a small part, is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. Not everyone knows somebody like that who can just, oh, stop running your mouth. But anyways, see how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire? And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our, our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets fire to the course of our of our life and is set on fire by hell for every species of beasts and birds, for reptiles and creatures of the sea. We have a sense of order, but not with the tongue. It's a, it's a, let me see here, let me turn here. I can't see the screen as well as I thought I could, so I'm going to turn to the scriptures here. And it says here, for every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. James says the tongue is like a fire. It's full of deadly poison. It's a restless evil. I wonder if there was just a little bit of him where he was, he was looking back at his own life experience because in John's gospel of the life of Jesus, we read that Jesus' brothers did not believe in who Jesus was. So I wonder if he was thinking, man, by the power of my speech, I was almost complicit in something that horrible that happened to my own brother and it set a flame and it was like a deadly poison. And, and because I was mocking my brother, I helped feed a narrative that ended up sending him to a cross to be crucified. I wonder if he ever thought of that at times with the power of speech. And we know that words can create a great harm. We carry them with us, and we remember them. And sometimes we don't make certain decisions because of them. And I'm just going to stop real quick here. If you are someone right now, and you're sitting here, or you're watching online, and you know for a fact that by the power of your speech, you have said something that has caused a distance between you and another person, that you have really, really hurt somebody with your words, and you know that you've done that, Today is the day that I challenge you to take, take a step forward in making that right. Today is the day that I challenge you to take a step forward in saying, I'm not going to allow this to exist anymore. Because you may not be able to quite walk up to that person and ask for forgiveness just yet. You may still have some things, you know, in your heart that I just can't do this quite yet. But you can start praying for that person. And even if they won't listen to you, for forgiveness because you hurt them so much with your words. You can still pray for them. As is, and as in the words of Pastor Craig Groeschel, your prayers for them may not ever change them, but they will always change you. And instead of living a life of bitterness and resentment, you can begin to live a life of forgiveness and freedom. The words that, that you've spoken that may have harmed someone else, they could be holding you back. Today's the day you start taking steps forward to make it right. But maybe, just maybe, you're here today as well, or you're watching online, 
and you've had somebody speak words into your life that have greatly harmed your soul. And as I said earlier, you've not made certain decisions in your life because of those words. I've had that happen to me before as well. About seven years ago, I was 20 years old. I was part of a church plant, and we were starting off. It was a new church. I thought, this is it. This is the dream. I'm living the dream. God told me to plant a church one day. I'm so excited to do this. And in and, and the first few months, it was like the honeymoon phase. It was amazing. I was running a youth ministry. The kids were out of control, but I still thought it was hilarious. It was just a really good time. I was really enjoying it. But then as, as I got to be into this a little bit further, about six, seven months into this time at this church plant, things started getting a little strange. And some of it was on me. I was 20 years old. I was immature. I was irresponsible. I was reckless. Some of it was on me. But some of it was on a particular leader who was involved in the ministry. And some of the words that he had communicated to me, I would, I would categorize in a sense of a, of a type of authoritarian abuse or authoritarian manipulation. And they greatly harmed me. And I tried saying things to the right person to do something about this or to the right people. And every time it was as if I was hitting a ceiling to no avail. And then I found out years later that what he said to me had, it was nothing compared to what he had done to other people. And it seemed as if every time I was trying, I, was, I, I, wanted, I wanted this to stop, and, and it, so it, nothing stopped. So after 11 months, I said, you know what? I'm done. I'm out. I thought this was for me, but maybe it's not, so I'm, I'm out after 11 months. And I remember on my way out, one of the other leaders in this ministry said to me, hey, just so you know, because you're leaving this early, you are probably not wired or built to plant a church. You probably don't have it in you to start a church. Because you're leaving this early, <laughs> you're probably not built for that. And I'll be honest with you, those words stuck with me for a very long time. I would think about them, I would contemplate them, I would wonder about them. And even as I started moving forward in the process of, of building a team and starting New Story Church, those words would ring in my mind. Was he right? And I, and I almost didn't at times continue to move forward into what God had for me because those words were eating at my soul. They were eating at my mind. They were, they were eating at me as a person. But then I remembered that when I was a senior in high school, God gave me a verse. It's my life verse, 2 Timothy 4, 5. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. It was really easy to think about the latter part. Oh, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. But what about the first part? Have a clear mind. Have a sober mind. Be focused on God. And when suffering comes or, or difficulties come or misunderstanding comes, endure it and continue to push forward into what I've called you to. I went back to that verse and I felt God speaking that into my life and I just started reading that and reading that over and over and over again. Because you see, some of you here today, you've been in a spot where you've allowed words that harm, words that bring death to, to reign in your life and today's the day that you find a better word. Today's the day that you have to cling to a more true word. It is the very word of God that has been given to you. And so maybe you don't have a life verse, hey, go find one, get one, get into God's word, find a verse, find something that you can cling to so that when words of harm come into your life and they start speaking lies of who you're not and what you can't do, you say, I have a better word to cling to, it's God's word. And God's word is always supreme to any words that you could ever get from anybody in this world. His word above all else. 
Cling to his word. Find a better word. And maybe you're like, I don't, I don't really even know where to start. I'll give you a place to start. Maybe you've been discouraged. Maybe you've been wondering, am I enough? Can I do this? Why should I really pursue this? 2 Corinthians 12, 9, when God says this to Paul, hey, my grace is sufficient. That's for you too. His grace is sufficient for you. And then he says to Paul, hey, my power is made perfect in weakness. Maybe you felt weak. Maybe you felt beat up. Maybe you felt surrounded. Maybe you felt like you can't move forward. God's power is made perfect in weakness. It's his power, not ours. If we rely on him, his grace is sufficient. That's the better word that we have. That's the more true word that we have to cling to. It's as as Paul writes in Colossians, if you've been in our 21 days of prayer and fasting, you read Colossians 1 recently, but if you haven't been, that's okay. You can still read Colossians 1. You have full permission to do so. But anyway, Colossians chapter 1 says that all things are created in him and through him and for him, and all things are held together by him. Those words that somebody spoke over your life, they do not hold all things together. He He holds all things together. He is the one who holds all things. Cling to his word, a better word, a higher word, a more true word. Move forward in that. Then there's the ability for speech to bring healing. Speech can heal as well. Speech doesn't just have to harm. Speech can heal. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. That's where we started, Proverbs 18. Speech can heal. We have to look no further than the biographies of the life of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to see that the very speech of Jesus brings healing to many people's lives. Speech can heal. But Solomon also writes this in Proverbs 16, 24, when he says, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Solomon has a beautiful way of words. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb. If you don't like honey, just substitute that with something else. Pleasant words are like a cookie. They're like ice cream. I don't know what it is you like. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. I don't know about you, but I I imagine, like me, you've experienced this before too. When someone comes in at just the right time, they speak a word of healing into your life. They speak a word of encouragement to let you know that God has not forgotten about you, that God still has a plan and a direction for your life. This power of speech has a unique ability to bring healing. It, this, this was true for me as well. Just in, in 2019, I was traveling around Western New York, meeting with different pastors down in the southern tier and, and all these different places, meeting with different pastors and trying to gain a little bit of knowledge from them of, hey, how do you lead your church? Because I knew that I was planning to start a new story and we were building this team. And hey, how do you lead your church? Or hey, what did it take for you to start a church? I talked to some church planters and uh, gained, gained some knowledge. Some of them I was also going to be asking for money. Hey, would you be willing to support New Story Church? And some of them said yes and some of them never got back to me. Uh, but that's okay. Would you, would you be willing to support us? And I was, I was trying to get some support and some encouragement. And, and in that time, I was obviously clinging to 2 Timothy 4, 5. But the beautiful thing is God not only speaks to us through his word, he speaks to us through his people as well. And that's why I should say, that's why I say all of you should get in a story group. And if you're not in a story group already at New Story Church, get in one so that you can work with other people to, to speak words of healing and life and hope to one another. But anyway, so I, I was traveling and meeting with these different pastors, and I reached out to a pastor that I met when I was 15 years old. And I had kept in touch with him loosely over the years. 
Some of you know him. His name's Pastor Sean Obergfell. He pastors Believer's Chapel down in Olean, New York. And he started Believer's Chapel in 2009. And so he had kind of been where I had been before. He had planted a church. I started a church. They're doing really well now. And I reached out to him. And I said, Sean, would you be willing to get together with me and, and talk to me about leading a church and church planting and, and all, all that fun stuff? And he said, I would love to. And he drove up to Buffalo from Olean in August of 2019, and he spent two and a half hours with me, just talking to me about answering any question I had, talking about church leadership and, and, and pursuing God as a church leader and all of these beautiful things. That's why to this day I still call him my pastor or one of my pastors. And then he said, hey, in a few weeks we have a worship night at our church coming up called Seek. They do it the first Sunday of every month. You should go sometime. It's really fun. And uh, we did, went to this worship night, and I went with my wife, Kim, and uh, he, he starts showing us around his church, Believer's Chapel. It was a great experience. And then he gave me this, this Bible. This is the Bible that I use every day now to read in. It's a uh, Thompson Chain Reference Bible, NASB. These things are impossible to find, by the way. I can only find them in KJV now. So I don't know where he found this. He must have a secret stash of them. I don't know. But he got me this Bible. I love this thing. But one of the most important things about this Bible to me is that in the front of it, he wrote a note for me. And I'm going to share this note with you right now because I want you to hear what it's like to receive words of healing from another believer that God might send into your life to speak into your life. And I look at this note every once in a while when I get discouraged or when I'm wondering, are we doing the right thing? Or when, hey, hey, how do I know what to do next? And, and Sean wrote this to me, and this letter means the world to me. He said, dear Scott, God has a plan for you and Kim. He will see you through. Trust him. With everything in you, trust him. He will help you. Trust him. Walk in a manner worthy of your call. Please him, not man. Study to know him, and you will always have something to say. Stay focused. Never quit. Never give up. All you do is for him. All you do for him is never in vain. You are a warrior. I don't know about that, but he's a police officer, so that's how he talks. You're a warrior. Okay. You are a warrior and a servant of the Most High. Live like it. Preach like it. Love like it. You are loved. Sean Obergfell. You see, while I had 2 Timothy 4, 5, and that was what I would always cling to, you have no idea how much those words meant to me when he wrote that letter to me. Because not only did I have that past experience where somebody said, hey, you have to realize this may mean you're not meant to plant a church. I had other people in my life who I thought would maybe at times be encouraging or affirming who were more so doubters. But then God sent Pastor Sean into my life, somebody who had been where I was going and wanted to go, and he used his words to bring healing to my heart, to bring healing to my mind, to bring healing to my soul. And to say, hey, you know what, Scott? You didn't, you didn't hear wrong when I told you to do this. You didn't, you didn't mishear me. I, I spoke clearly to you. And this is what God will do. God will not only speak to you through his word, he will speak to you through other people. 
And so this is why we have to. In fact, I would say we need to. I don't say that a lot. You need to surround yourself with people who will speak words of healing into your life that will restore your soul. And we need to be people who speak words of healing to those around us so that we can restore the created order that God has placed us in. This is the call that we have as the church, to to receive words of healing and to speak words of healing, to speak words of hope, to speak words of life, to say, I am going to speak life into existence just as God spoke life into existence. You see, sometimes when we we think about, oh, I'm I'm at church and I'm going to hear a message on words and speech, you might suspect that I would get on stage and tell you, Here are the things you should say, and here are the things that you should not say. Anything that involves four letters, just stay away from it. You know, here's here's the list of things you shouldn't say. And don't get me wrong, I am all for clean speech. We We don't need to always, you know, be throwing things around unnecessarily. I am all for clean speech, but I am less concerned about the specific words that you use. What I'm more concerned about is you having a conversation with God and having a conversation with yourself of, why do I say the things that I say? Why do I talk the way that I talk? Why do I communicate the way that I choose to communicate? Because I'm more concerned about the essence of your speech than I am concerned about the specifics of your speech. What is the essence of your speech? What is the essence of the things that you choose to say? Because Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. He says, the good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth what is good. And the evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. Your translation might say, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. For, for, for that, for it out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. The essence of your speech reveals the essence of your heart. The essence of my speech reveals the essence of my heart. So why do I say the things that I say? Why do I communicate the way that I choose to communicate? What is the essence of your heart? Is it an essence of life? Is it an essence of healing? Is it an essence of hope? Or is it an essence of poison? Is it an essence of a fire that's set aflame? Is it an essence of death? What is the essence of your speech? My prayer is that his New Story Church is that the essence of our speech would be an essence of life. That that's what would come forth To return to Professor Yuval Noah Harari, the guy who I mentioned that gave the TED Talk on why humans run the world. He wrote a book that I read last year called Sapiens, History of Humankind. It was a fascinating book. It comes from a different worldview than I come from, so uh, we definitely have some differing views of things, but it was a fascinating book. I enjoyed it. And he talks about how with our speech, what we do as humans is we create imaginative stories. And what he he basically refers to he doesn't use this, these words per se, but he refers to it as fictional constructs. So he would, he would make the contention that our government systems are fictional constructs, that our sources of money are fictional constructs, that religions are fictional constructs, and in creating these imaginative stories that, that lead to these fictional constructs, what we then do is, is we then 
order our societies around those things. That's, that's kind of the, the, the contention and the argument that he makes. And in some ways, it's captivating. He, he, he refers to lawyers as modern-day wizards. If you're a lawyer, I have nothing. But I just thought it was an interesting way of looking at things. And, and, and he, you know, fictional constructs, uh, he, he said that uh, the most successful religion ever is anything that ha- involves money. And I thought that was interesting as well. That was his view of religion. If it involves money and getting more money and obtaining more money, that's the most successful religion ever. Okay, that's an interesting way of looking at things as well. But where, where, I, where I started to part ways with, with him a little bit was the idea that we solely use our speech to construct imaginative stories, which leads to basically fictional constructs. Because while I do believe that through speech we can clearly create imaginative stories, we've all read things like The Cat in the Hat before, that's not a real story, I also believe that the power of our imagination alludes to a greater reality beyond us. It allows us to, to then, with the power of our speech, speak into existence things that may not have previously been around or existed, but it also, through the power of our speech, we have the capacity not just to speak imaginative stories, but also to speak into existence that which is real, to speak that which is true, to speak that which brings hope, to speak that which brings life. See, with, with the power of speech, we have the power to create reality. The power of speech is the power to create reality. It's what God did with the power of his speech. It's what Jesus did by creating a new reality as the very word of God. And then we as humanity, we have the power to create reality with the power of speech that has been given to us by God. Think of the, the heroes that you look up to, whether they're fictional or real. How do they inspire people to follow them? How do they inspire people to see a better future? How do they inspire people to see that which was true because they were living in a false reality and move on to something greater? They did it by the power of speech. By the power of speech. The power of speech is the power to create reality. And my prayer is that as New Story Church, we, with our speech, would bring an essence of life that paints a picture of a better future, that casts vision for humanity that we have never seen or known before, that we would, by the power of our words, bring peace and hope and life and healing, a greater reality beyond that which we have settled for at times. That's what my prayer is for us, that we would create a reality of life by the power of speech that has been given to us by God. That the essence of our hearts would be an essence of life. So by the power of our tongue, we may speak life. I'm going to invite the band forward in this time to close us out. But I do have a closing question that I have for each and every one of us based off of Proverbs 18.21. Go back and read this to you. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We saw with the very speech of God that he brought life into existence. Then the speech of the serpent, the enemy in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, the the speech of the serpent was the speech that brought forth death. That the power of speech, we can create healing or we can create harm. And so my question for you today is what reality are you creating with your speech? What reality am I creating with my speech? With the words that we use, what reality are we creating? This is a unique 
attribute and ability that has been given to us by God that reflects that we are made in his image. What reality are you creating with your speech? Is it a reality of life, hope, truth, encouragement, and healing? Or is it a reality of harm, hurt, division, and in the worst cases, death? What reality are you creating with your speech? Imagine what the world would look like if we as the church embraced our role to speak words of life above all else. Let me just give you one, one piece of advice. This is just, this is a little off the beaten path, but it's just a piece of social advice. Do not, I'm, I'm being very black and white here, maybe I should just reel back a little bit, but it's a bad idea to text message or direct message somebody something that you would not say to their face. It's a very, very bad idea. Watch your words closely. Because if you text something to somebody that you would not say to their face, you just created a reality that with that person that you may not want to live in when you see them face to face. Don't type things on social media that you wouldn't say face to face or to a large group of people in person. Words matter, and they do create and they shape reality. So what reality are you creating with your words? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. How are we using the power that God has given us? If you would, please bow your heads and join me in prayer. Jesus, I thank you that you have given us this ability to use our words to bring your life and hope and love. And I pray today for anyone in here or watching online who by their words, they know that they've used them to cause division. Give them the boldness and courage today, God, to start praying for the person or the people that they know that they've caused division with and help them to move forward in the freedom that only you have for them. And Jesus, I pray for anyone here today who's been living under the reality of harmful words that have been spoken over them, that today they would find freedom because it is in you, Jesus Christ, that we are set free, and that they would find that freedom in you today, Christ. If you're watching online or you're here today, everyone's still praying, and you've never made a decision to give your life to Jesus. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life, to believe in his resurrection, that he rose from the grave so that you could have new life. If you have never given your life to Jesus, I just want you to pray this prayer in your heart. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I surrender and I give my life to you. Say that, Jesus, I surrender my life and I give my life to you. If you prayed that prayer and you're watching online today, please go to our website, newstorybuffalo.com. Fill out Get Connected and let us know you made a decision to follow Jesus. If you, or go to social media, Instagram, at New Story Buffalo. Drop us a message. Let us know that you decided to follow Jesus. But if you're here in person today, you made that decision. You said, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I give my life to you. Everyone heads down and eyes closed. Would you be bold enough for just a minute to raise your hand? I want to have a moment to pray for you if you gave your life to Jesus today. Awesome. 
thank you. Jesus, thank you for the life that we have only in you. Thank you that by the power of your words, life came into existence. And may we, with the words that we use, speak life and hope and healing into existence. Thank you, God, for entrusting us with responsibility and with life and with hope. In your name I pray, amen. If you would, please stand and join us as we continue to worship.